Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Coffee in Space. I'm your host as always, Dan Smith. I've got a great guest here today and I'm happy to have everybody listening in. I got Richard Polinelli on the, on the station today. I say station because he's in the radio business. Um, because uh, I, so let me just get to the chase here. Uh, Richard and his co-host on LA Talk Radio's Writer's Block uh, had me on the show to talk about interviewing authors and science fiction in general. And so uh, I'm kind of reciprocating, uh, not the favor because Richard's way further ahead than I am, but um, because of the in, the shared interest in both broadcast and, and podcasting and shared interest in science fiction, I've got Richard Polinelli on the show today. We're going to talk about his books, talk about radio a little bit, uh, talk about working in someone else's series uh, with his latest works. Uh, Richard Polinelli, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having Coffee and Space with us. Well, thanks for having me on, Dan. It's 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 nice being able to be on this side of the interview microphone as opposed to my usual gig on the writer's block. Well, what I'm hoping is, uh, and I say this to anytime I have a professional on the, on the show, uh, my hope is that you won't walk away wishing you hadn't done it. So... Um, <laughs> I, I doubt that. I, I judging on how you did on our show, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think we're okay. That's awesome. So let's start there. Actually, uh, uh, folks, this is all on my website. By the way, if you go to appearances uh, at the Coffee and Space website, uh, you'll see the LA Talk Radio link on there where you can get the uh, the audio. Tell me how you got started in uh, in that show in broadcasting in in general. And I know you got a lot of podcasting experience as well. Uh, talk a little bit about that, if you would. Well, yeah, uh, my my cohort in crime is uh, Jim Christina, and he and Bobby Jean Bell, I think they're seven years now, seven years ago, they, uh, they decided they wanted to start a radio show geared toward writers. And Bobby already had like two shows on LA Talk Radio, which is an internet radio station um, based in Los Angeles, obviously, since it says L.A., and um, so they, they started the show. They were going along. I was a guest shortly after my first book was released, Reservations. I, I went on, loved being on. It was, it was a hoot. Uh, found out that Jim and I lived maybe about a three iron, a good three iron away from each other in the same little town there in the L.A. area. And uh, one, one day he called. He said, hey, we had a guest bailout. Do you have anything new? And I had just released my book, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit, Escaping Infinity. I said, yeah, the, you know, I just did this. He said, well, come on the show. We'll talk about it. So I did that. Second appearance, like within three months. And maybe about a month later, Jim calls and he goes, okay, my, my co-host can't make it. Um, swing by the house. We'll drive into the studio. You'll just be a co-host. So I did that a couple of times. And, and then before I knew it, all of a sudden, I was a regular co-host. Um, I did take a little bit of a break when I had to move across country because at that time we were still recording in studio. And then when Jim moved out of state uh, and Bobby moves out of state and then the, uh, the coronavirus hit, all of a sudden you weren't recording in studio and we were recording, you know, remotely wherever we were. So they brought me back on and I've been on ever since. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's been fun because I meet, you know, new people like you, uh, as we did. And uh, I've had some of them on my podcast. And uh, it's just the relationships you build in meeting people on these shows. It's, it's really been great. And I've, I've been very happy to be a part of that. 
You struck a, a nerve with me there. The uh, the relationships you've built over over this time, and I, I I knew a lot of my guests either from Twitter or Facebook before I invited them on the show, particularly like mm-hmm. debut authors or authors who were still building their backlist. But um, but I would say even even the ones that I don't either they were sent to me by their publicist or the publisher or or mm-hmm. their agent reached out or whatever or they reached out directly. Um, I, I have really enjoyed, uh, cre- you know, creating through this process some friendships that are are still there, either stronger now than they were, uh, or have started because of this show. And it's been a really interesting and fun ride. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you 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 meet new authors, you you kind of discover new new approaches to writing. Uh, you know, when you're talking to them about what their process is. Um, you know, you, you hear what they do and you're like, Hey, you know, that, that sounds like might be a lot of fun. Um, I guess I'm going to have on my podcast who's been on the writer's block a lot is Tosca Lee and she's a great author, but she came up with the greatest line is, um, what well, it was, um, write sober. No, wait a minute. Edit sober, write drunk. I knew I was going to try to reverse that. And we, we kind of, that kind of stuck with us because we, we can't tease her every time she's back on again. We're like, so you still, you know, writing drunk and editing sober. And she goes, oh yeah, it works. So, I mean, you, you, you kind of develop those friendships uh, through these, these shows and, you know, it, it makes it really worth doing. Agreed. Um, okay. So, so that's kind of how uh, folks, Richard and I met. Uh, we've, kind of gotten to know each other through that and then emailing back and forth about this show uh, about Richard coming on. Um, let's talk about why some folks in the audience probably know you uh, for those that do. Uh, and that's through your, uh, your novel um, escaping affinity, which um, for those who recognize it, probably recognize it as a, as a, a 2017 dragon award finalist. Uh, tell us a little bit about that story and your background in writing it. Well, the, you know, it's, it's interesting. That story actually was born the first time I heard Hotel California by the Eagles. And I think if the people who read Escaping Infinity before I tell them that, uh, they've already they've already gotten that vibe from it. Um, but back, way back then, I, I wasn't a writer yet. I, I really didn't have a clue on how to put something like that together. But it stuck with me over the years. And eventually, once I got to a point where I was done with my my sports writing career and I wanted to get back into novel writing, I kind of went back to it. Um, And I finally figured out how to write it without being just a straight rip off of Hotel California, because the the basic concept was, uh, is what would you do if you're trapped inside a hotel? You cannot find an exit back out and nobody else in the hotel understands that there's a problem. To them, it's the first day they were there. They're checking out in the morning, and that's that's the way it always is. And and you will find people in that hotel that have technically been in there for hundreds of years, but they always think they they're just there for the night. So I finally got that kind of worked out. Um, I got my my mystery thriller series that I had signed up with an agent to to get published. Got it done, and I, I turned to that one. Um, I was going to do the traditional published route on Escaping Infinity, and, and my agent decided to start charging for representation. And I went, why am I paying an agent this money, plus a percentage, plus paying the, the publisher a percentage, when I can, I can do this, there's a way to do this independently 
and uh, you know, yeah, it's more work, but I get the money. You know, I'm not paying 90% of what I make. So that book, not only was it kind of my debut sci-fi novel, it also was the novel that got me into indie publishing. So it's, it's always going to be a special novel for me. Um, fortunately, it was very well received. You know, it, it got it got as far as being a finalist for a dragon, which I found out like 30 seconds before we we're going to go on the air on the writer's block. So I had about a 30 second celebration and then I had to go to work. <laughs> so it, what do you do? You know, I assume it provided uh, some fodder for discussion that night, though. Uh, yeah, we, we touched on it. But, you know, the, the whole point of the writer's block is focus on the guest. So we, we kind of I think we spent about a minute on it. Um, and I, I profusely thanked everybody who nominated it. And then we got we got onto the show. But, uh, yeah, the, the book itself broke just about every rule you can think of. And, and I think maybe that's why it did so well, because it was so different. You know, um, people were telling me that, you know, they they about halfway through the book. OK, we know where this is going. We know what's going to happen. And they would turn the page and it's like, oh, my God, where did this thing go? What, what's going on? And I like the fact that I was able to do that, that I kept everybody guessing until the very end. That's good writing 101 right there to, to make sure that the readers are still engaged, but uh, but not sure how you're going to finish it off. Mm -hmm. I think that's what was funny, though, is people immediately said, when's the next book coming out? And I'm like, that was a standalone, guys. <laughs> that was, I, I never intended to go any further past you know what I wrote, but everybody kept I, I don't want to say nagging, they kept asking. And I, until finally I, I, it hit me, okay, I know where I could go with the next book. And so I, there's going to be a, it will be the third book in the series. Cause we, I actually invited a lot of authors to come up with short stories and uh, connected to the original book. And we ran that when that came out a couple of months ago called exploring infinity and it was fortunate it wasn't planned but the way the short stories were done it sets up the book that i'm going to write next perfectly so it, it i couldn't have done it any better if i set out to do it that way originally so uh i'll still be playing in the infinity universe um probably in about a year or two the next book will be out i mean you could do worse things with your time right oh yeah yeah keeps me out of the bingo halls right <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's turn to uh, your newest, uh, of course, you know, be happy to talk about that later on in another interview sometime when it's closer to finishing, mm -hmm. but, um, but talking about what's going on right now, uh, you're not, you're kind of doing what some of these other authors did for you in writing in your universe, you're now writing in somebody else's universe, mm -hmm. talk to us about the StarQuest uh, series, how you got interested in it, and then we'll start, and then we'll talk about Galen's Way and Galen's Blade. Okay, well, um, there's an author, a lot of sci-fi people will probably recognize John C. Wright. And um, he went to go see uh, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and came out, of the, came out of the theater less than happy with what he had just witnessed, and was kind of complaining about everything and what they'd done to, to Star Wars. And so his kids, as kids will do, were like, okay, old man. What would you have done better? So he proceeds to, to tell them. And with John, he doesn't do anything small, small scale or short. It's detailed and in depth. And fortunately, his wife was writing down notes uh, of what he was coming up with. And they kind of developed it a little bit until he finally had a, a full-fledged universe to write in. And he decided he wanted to open 
the thing up to any author who wanted to come in. Uh, he called it StarQuest. And he has a Bible which has continued to grow since he first sent me a copy. The copy I got was like 50 pages of in-depth, detailed, uh, the, the whole thing of, of how the human race gets transplanted from the Milky Way galaxy to the Andromeda galaxy, why uh, there's 12 ages he laid out of, of the human race going through time in Andromeda and what's going on with not only the human race, but all the other species that they'll eventually encounter uh, in the Andromeda galaxy. So it's this huge thing. And I think now it's over 100 pages from, from somebody I heard from. They said, yeah, it was huge. Um, so he, he built this thing, opened it up. I had him on my podcast and, and also his wife, who's also a very accomplished writer. Um, I had them on two different shows and they were both talking about it to the point where it dawned on me. I had a story idea that would fit into what they were doing perfectly. And I had just hadn't written it because it wasn't space opera is not something I've done, but I was interested in trying. And here was a vehicle for me to do it. So I, uh, I was talking with him and I came up with what I wanted to do. And I picked the fourth age because the human race at that point still hasn't encountered any other alien species in the Andromeda. So I, I didn't have to worry about creating any aliens or doing anything that would run counter to what John had set up. Uh, I could just tell my space opera story and focus on the human race there. In, in the fourth age and just kind of have fun in that corner of John Sandbox. And I put it together, I wrote it, I sent it over to them and they they looked it over. And I think we had to make one small little change. But other than that, I mean, they, they were thrilled with what I came out with. And and I, I've got to say, I'm kind of happy with how it's it's done and, and how it turned out. And I'm interested to see where I'm going to take this this section of the, the universe. Yeah, that's that's neat. I have a couple of follow-ups, but before I do that, I'd like you just to set up, uh, uh, set up Galen's way for us, uh, like okay. the actual story itself. Give us a synopsis okay. of it, uh, if you would. Well, as as I mentioned with with StarQuest, the the premise is that the human race was moved to the Andromeda Galaxy uh, ahead of a destructive force that that pretty much turns the lights out on the entire Milky Way galaxy. It's a dead galaxy now. Um, Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years have passed. The human race has forgotten that they have come from the Milky Way. They, they at this point think that they originated in Andromeda. They're the only species out there, kind of like we do today. Uh, and they're just kind of, you know, going through, doing their thing. Uh, at this point in fourth age, there is a, an alliance of planets. Uh, where there's a Senate, there's a, a chancellor, kind of a loose government, but each planet is kind of self, self-governed for the most part. And when we meet Galen Dwin, he is uh, sitting in a bar and gets approached by a gentleman representing the, the court of one of those planets. And their daughter, Princess Rhiannon, has been kidnapped and is being held for ransom on a planet that nobody in their right mind would consider trying to attack because it is so well defended. And they are going to hire him because he is such a well-known mercenary and, and known as somebody you just don't mess with uh, to go to that planet and rescue her. 
So he, um, he takes on the job and he, he heads for the planet because the person who has done the kidnapping is somebody that he really has, has it in for, that this person kind of stabbed him in the back and he wants to settle that score and also get paid quite handsomely for rescuing a, a royal princess. But once he gets there, he kind of finds out there's a lot more going on than what he was told. And now he's right in the middle of a big, uh, let's say, a political, um, yeah, a political conspiracy going on. It was a good setup. I uh, I can see parallels to uh, other stories that are out there, which I think uh, shows that you're, you know, you got a good grip on the, you know, what's working and whatnot. Uh, so as you wrote this, so if I understand right what you were saying earlier, uh, you already had written at least a good portion of this before you found out about Wright's uh, series. Is that true? I actually just had the basic outline. Okay, and that's so kind of that's kind of how I operate. I have a basic, say maybe a one or two page synopsis. Yeah. So uh, so you presented it. John C. Wright buys off mm-hmm. on it, likes it, him and his wife, and uh, says, "Go ahead and do it." Uh, how did you make sure, especially once you had the the, the <coughs> story bible in your hand mm-hmm. how did you make sure that you stayed unique and authentic to your own style of writing characters and plot uh or or was there not really all that much worry about it there you know there really wasn't the way john had it set up he had basically the overall you know storyline of what was going on with the human race so there wasn't, he didn't have specific, he had a like specific planet. So I had to make sure that planet was in, uh, but that was really the only thing that I had to make sure everything else was just as long as I wasn't doing something that would run counter to what John was going to set up. And I didn't realize at the time, but one of the, the elements I introduced actually ties in with something he had planned, but he hadn't put it in the Bible yet. So we were kind of, it's almost like we're kind of on the same wavelength right off the bat, just didn't realize how dialed in we were. Um, So it it didn't require a whole lot of change. The only thing I had to change was I had to move everything out of the Milky Way because that's where mine was originally set. So I couldn't use Earth and I couldn't use some of the stars that we're aware of and and whatnot. So I, I had to just adjust that way and put in the names of the planets and whatnot that I wanted to use that way. Uh, the names of the people I tweaked a little bit just because I figured after all that time, you know, names are going to sound kind of similar, but there's going to be some differences. Um, so, I mean, it, it didn't really require a lot of adjustment on my part to, to fit into what John wanted to do. That's awesome. Uh, so I noticed uh, while researching for our talk today that, uh, book two of your uh, subset or your sub uh, universe here is uh, coming. So this is going to, we're recording this folks in January for a March <laughs> release. Uh, this is how this podcast goes sometimes. Uh, and then in April, early April, first week of April, actually, the second book of your uh, little universe in the universe uh, comes out. Can you set the stage for Galen's Blade? Because right now it's available for pre-order. Yeah, uh, Galen's Blade will pick up maybe a month or two after the end of Galen's Way. Um, I'm, and I'm trying not to do spoilers, but I'm going to kind of have to, I think. Um, 
at the end of Galen's way, we do not know if Galen is still alive or not. But the title of the second book, you probably figure out he's he's going to be around. Um, and yeah, and the, it's kind of hard when he's yeah. still the title character. <laughs> yeah, so I don't feel so bad about giving away that yeah. part of it. Um, in Galen's Blade, Galen will recover. the The person who was behind the Empire trying to take over was assumed killed, but he too has survived and he is taking what's left and he's just going to make a big push now. He's not even going to try to do it behind the scenes like they did before. It's just an open, overt, let's go get him. And he does it while Galen and Rhiannon are actually away and searching for her father who had been, who had also been kidnapped and been spared over away. Um, so they're, they're off trying to rescue him and the move is made and the, uh, the Imperial forces actually succeed so that when Galen comes back now, he's actually becoming, he's going to become the leader of what's going to become the resistance against the empire. Um, so it's not going to be a, the good guys are going to have a good time book in the second book. It's, it's, if, if you want to do a star Wars thing, think empire strikes back where the empire kind of has the upper hand by the end of the movie. And it will be very similar in Galen's blade. They're, they're actually falling back and regrouping at the end. Uh, which sets up the third book, obviously. And is that also uh, going to be your book? Is that, are you yeah, also writing yeah. that one? Okay. Yeah. The, it's, I don't know that we're setting it up this way, but there's with the 12 ages, you can pick any age you want to write in. And I pick the fourth age. So I kind of, I'm kind of setting the tone for the fourth age. And if anybody wants to get in on this um, and they want to do the fourth age, they're invited by all means, please. Um but you know you're going to have to work within what's been set now. So that leads me to this question. It'll, it'll be the last official question, and then we'll kind of close <laughs> up here because we're we're getting along on time. But what is it like writing uh, this piece of the universe that is going to be canon for these other novels uh, that are coming out that aren't even going to be written by you? What is it like to help establish canon for a for a shared universe? Well, I mean, there's there's a sense of responsibility. And, and you want to make sure you get it right, um, not only for, for John's sake, because he's the one who, who not only set it up, but, you know, invited me to come in and, and play. So I want to be respectful of what he's done um, and still, you know, kind of, kind of set some things that I would like to do. And, and I think as long as you approach it with the, yeah, I want to do this, but I want to make sure it will, it will mesh with what John's doing. You know, as long as that's the approach, I think it'll be fine. Uh, for me, I just want to be able to set the fourth age up so that someone could come in and and have a set universe where they can tell their story and it would be easy, easy to mesh it with what I've done and with what John's done. But, you know, as far as being the one who sets the standard in fourth age, you know, it, it does, there's a sense of responsibility there. And, th and that's why I'm taking so much time writing them and, and making sure they're right before they're released. Otherwise, you know, Galen's Blade would have already been out. But I want that extra time to go over and make sure it's right. In the final few minutes we have, go ahead and tell people how they can learn more about you, your writing, and how they can connect with you. Well, the best way is to go to my website, scribe.com. 
and that'll get you to my website. Once you get there, pretty much everything related to me as a writer is on that website, and including links to purchase the book. There's a there's a host of platforms out there now where you can buy eBooks. My books are on every one of them. So it's all there on that one website. Awesome. And like I said, I'll, I'll link to that. Um, okay, folks, uh, I, I've really enjoyed having uh, Richard Polinelli on board today, uh, talking with us, uh, having coffee and space with us. Uh, Richard, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. It's been great. Well, thanks for having me on. It's been a, it's been a blast. And as usual with these things, at the time went way too fast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's how I felt when I got off your guys' show too. Um, uh-huh. I hope it's been as fun to you, uh, fun for you as uh, being on y'all's show was uh, a good time for me. Yeah. Um, folks, uh, get a hold of uh, Richard Polinelli's uh, books. Uh, connect with him over uh, his website. That's all linked in the show notes. Uh, folks, thanks for joining me this week. Uh, uh, join me again next week. Subscribe to the podcast so you get this directly to your smart device or your computer. I can't wait to have another exciting guest over a cup of coffee in space. Mm-hmm.